Uh, I got to be honest, I, I wanted to use this Sunday as an opportunity for us to look backwards so that we could actually gain a perspective on, on where we've, we've been and, and where we're going. I can remember in the middle of March how within a couple days, that Wednesday, that Thursday, that Friday, our world dramatically changed. Even though that was two months ago, for some of us, it can feel like it's been 10 years. And today, one of the things that, that I want to encourage us in is finding stability in the midst of all this instability that we have. The interesting piece for us as a world is some of the things that were incredibly stable in our lives are now, now not stable. And some of the things that we actually took for granted are things that we actually long for now. We long for that handshake. We long for that hug. We long to move from the driveway or the, the garage into the homes of the, the people that we're visiting. To be honest, this is probably one of the, the very first weekends where I'm starting to feel a sense of, of loss. Usually, Victoria Day, this weekend, signifies kind of the opening of the summer. It's in our calendars. We know that it might snow, but it certainly signifies for us that we've made it. We made it through that long winter. And so today, I, I'm not going to talk about all the things that we've lost. I'm not going to talk about the word COVID-19 with each of my points. We could all admit that we've heard those words way, way, way too much. But I do want us to remember a few things that we talked about at the start of this season. And so view this as a, as a little pep talk. Maybe we're a sports team and it's, it's halftime or it's in between the periods and the coach has come in and he's just encouraging us with a few things. I want you to, to think for a moment just about that, that first message that we, we kind of talked about in, in COVID. We, we talked about Psalm 23, where it says that if we let God be our shepherd, we'll lack nothing. And in that, we talked about three foundational truths, and those truths were God is the source of everything that I need to live. That God is ultimately the source, not my job, not how good I am in my job. The second thing, there's nothing I need that God can't supply. And then the third, that God doesn't want me worrying about anything. And that's certainly easier said than done. Those first few weeks, for me personally, God just kept taking me back to Psalm 23, where he really lays out for us our posture what our position, what we need to attempt our posture to be in this season. And here's what Psalm 23 says, and the boys upstairs are going to have it, all these verses on the screen at, at different points. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Even though I, I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You know, God promises to, to take us for, through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, the interesting piece is, maybe this is matology. We could go, the valley of the shadow of death certainly feels like this virus. And God actually says to us that he'll meet our needs if we trust him. And God promises to walk with us, even in the midst of this season that none of us could have planned. I love this verse that's found in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. It's really short. It simply says this, For we live by faith, not by sight. The key to, to calmness in this season, the key to confidence, the key to courage in this season is faith. This is incredibly tough for us. Because some of us are planners. And when you suddenly throw in the word faith, it means, okay, I need to not control it anymore. And I love this, this call that, that Paul, the author, gave to us, that we live by, by faith, not by sight, not what we see. It seems like in Matt's life, so often how I've lived my life is by what I see, and then faith kind of is the thing that tags along. Now, there's a book in the Bible that is especially relevant to where we are today. It's the book of James. I actually memorized the book of James back in, in junior high school, and it stayed with me all of these years. It's a short book. It's about five chapters. It is five chapters. It's 108 verses, but it's jam-packed with practical advice for people who are in the midst of a crisis. And it covers every possible emotion that you will likely face during this season. And the cool thing with James is it gives us some practical like principles that, that we can actually start to apply to our lives. So I've got a challenge for you. I want to encourage you during this season, uh, during this weekend actually, this Victoria Day weekend, I want you to read the book of James. I think that it'll actually be a rallying cry for us, that as we read it, we'll start to go, oh, okay, I've got more wind in my sail. Rick Warren, the pastor at Saddleback Church, said a great quote at the start of this COVID-19. He said this, I can't protect you from the COVID-19 disease, but I can teach you how to vo avoid the dis-ease. The dis-ease that's all those negative emotions that you're going to feel during this pandemic. Those emotions of anxiety, fear, loss, grief, loneliness, irritability. You will feel short-tempered when you have to stay home all the time. You'll feel restless from staying at home. And many of us are in that same boat. We feel this disease even though we don't personally interact with, with COVID. So my hope today, as I prepared this week to bring the message to you, my hope was simply, may this be a, a checkpoint midway. If you're running a marathon and you know that at mile seven, they're going to have that water station, sometimes that all that takes in your mind to actually get to mile seven and then you remember mile 10, there's another water station. And mile 13, may this message today simply be that for you.
The book of James teaches us how, how, how to trust God in, in many different areas of our life. I'm going to highlight a few of those areas, hopefully just enough to whet your appetite so that you'll read it this weekend. I love this verse, the very first verse in James chapter 1, verse 1. James says this, James, a, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes that are scattered among the nations. Greetings. Why were God's people scattered? James was writing to people who were in the midst of a crisis. It wasn't a crisis like ours that was a pandemic, but the people that James was referring to were being persecuted. They were being evicted from their homes. They were being killed for their faith by the Roman Empire. It was a scary time to be alive. And people were dying everywhere. And you could lose your life just for being a follower of Jesus. And so that's why he wrote the book of James, just to encourage them. Doesn't that sound familiar to where we are today? So what we're going to do today is, instead of being a, a good pastor, giving you three points, I'm going to give you four points. You can handle it this long weekend. Let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you go before us. God, in the next few minutes, may you allow my friends to hear your words, not my words. May we get re-energized. May we not lose the, the moment we're in. May we actually seize the moment. And God, may you give us the endurance to run the race that's set before us. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Here's the very first thing that I want to talk to you about today. I want you to remember that this pandemic, this will pass. This will pass. It's, it's not going to last. It's going to be over one day. It's going to be here for a while, but it's not going to be here forever. Even though some of you feel like it has been forever right now. God says, don't be surprised by it. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, the author writes this, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though some strange thing was happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Well, let's jump into James. Here's what James chapter 1, 2, and through 4 says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you'll be mature and complete. You won't be lacking anything. This season that we're in, is developing perseverance. We're developing perseverance in our lives, in our families, in our church, and as, a, as an entire world, we're developing perseverance. There are things that you're learning right now that are actually going to benefit you in the future. Some of us, and some of our family, and some of our friends might be stuck wondering, why would God allow this to happen to us? 
I know that I've received a bunch of questions from people who are simply asking this question, Matt, why is there this illness in our world? The answer is simple. And Trent highlighted much of it last week. There's evil and there's sin that entered the world. Nothing works perfectly. Everything around us is broken. The weather's broken. The economy's broken. Our plans that we made for this weekend are broken. Nothing works perfectly. Relationships are broken. Our bodies are broken. Our body doesn't work the way God designed it to be. Our brain, our body, sin has entered in and broken everything in this world. The Bible tells us this in Isaiah 24, verse 5 and 19. And you see it on the screen behind me. The world is broken. It doesn't function the way that God wants it to be. The the Bible talks about our earth not, not operating. Why doesn't God just wipe it all out? Why doesn't God just stop it? Why does God allow sin and evil into our world? Well, because God wants us to have a free choice. God could eliminate all the sin on the earth. He could eliminate all the evil on the earth. He could get rid of us. Horses aren't evil. Cows aren't sinful. We're the only ones who make bad choices. Our greatest privilege that God has given to us is free choice. But it's also our greatest threat. I don't always make the right choice. I do things that hurt people. I hurt myself. Sometimes I do it intentionally. Sometimes I do it unintentionally. God could get rid of all the problems in the world by just getting rid of our freedom of choice. But then God would look at us and go, you're puppets. God wanted a group of people, you my friends, to actually have choice. Who look at God and say, I love you even in the midst of pain. You can live your entire life choosing not to love God. He gives you that choice. But it causes the world that you live in, that I live in, to be broken down. People who are expecting this planet to be perfect and to have no problems are really calling for heaven. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen here on earth. That's why we're to pray the Lord's Prayer. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we long. We long for heaven where God's will will be perfectly done. God's world will be completely done. It'll be done instantly. It'll be done all the time. But none of that exists here on the earth. God's will is is not done perfectly here on the earth because there's wrong motives. It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen impartially. And so as a result, unfortunately, we have sickness and we have sadness. But friends... In heaven, there'll be no sorrow, there'll be no sadness, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more suffering, there'll be no more sin. Sin causes the brokenness in this world to happen. But I want to encourage you that this pandemic isn't going to last forever. The the second thing, I want you to, 
to remember to focus on what is un, is what on what's unchanging. I get it. There's been a ton of changes in our life. The key to stability in our lives when everything around us is changing is to focus on the one thing that doesn't change. To focus on the eternal. To focus on the unchangeable truth. That's the only thing that's stable. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Guess what? This season that we're living in is exactly that, as the author described, temporary and momentary troubles. They're not going to last. You can't count on it. No virus lasts forever. It's like what we always were thrilled of in school when the teacher said, I'm going to mark on the bell curve. They're not going to last. But it's preparation for what we can't see, the eternal. Well, let's go back to James. James chapter 1, verse 17 says this, that every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of heavenly light, who doesn't change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth so that we might be kind of first fruits of all that he created. You see, that's what you need to focus on when everything around you is changing. Focus on the eternal and unchanging. So, here's the question for us, just in this little segment. What eternal and unchanging truth should I actually focus on, Matt, during this pandemic? Well, let me give you a few truths that are never going to change. The very first one, God sees everything you're going through. He sees it. The second one, God cares about everything you're going through. So God sees it. God cares. The third one, God actually has the power to answer prayer and give you the strength so that you can keep going. And in that, God actually, the fourth thing, acts out of goodness to you. He's always good to us. And then the fifth one, which is a great anchor for us, God has a plan for our life that is always better than the plan that I create. These are unchanging truths. But let me give you another one in this season. The sixth one. God will never stop loving you. You can't make God stop loving you. You can try and you'll fail because God's love is eternal. It's not based on, on what you've done or who you are. It's based on, on you. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on, on what my name is or how long I've attended church. It's based on my character, on his character, sorry. And it's endless. There are things that you might have lost already or things that, that you might lose in the next little while. You can lose your income. You can lose your health. Some of us have lost our family. We can lose our mind. But God's never going to let you go. 
Those are things that I want you to remember. That in this season, we need to remember that no matter what we go through, God will always go through it with you. You're never alone in this life. You may feel alone, but God's presence is not a feeling. At every stage of this journey, God goes with you. God will always be with you, no matter what happens, even in the midst of this crisis. I wish I knew what the days ahead would look like for us. But I do know that God will never let you go alone. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Those flames will not set you ablaze. Then verse 3, God proclaims this, For I am the Lord your God. You need to remember that you're not alone. Here's the third thing. And this is something that I'm holding on to, especially these last couple weeks. This is not the end of the story. Remember, this is not the end of the story. I've flipped to the end of the story in Revelation 21. I've read that last chapter. And this isn't how it ends. So you don't have to worry about it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9, and then we're going to look at verse 14, says this, And we get knocked down, but we get up again. We get knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Because we know that God raised the Lord back to life. And just as he raised Jesus back to life, he'll bring us into that same presence together to live with hope in the middle of pain so that we can focus on what is never changing. So I want to encourage you with something here. We've got to change our focus. You have to shift your perspective. You have to live in light of eternity, in light of heaven. This stuff is always going to change around us. We don't have a clue what this future will hold for this pandemic, but we do know who holds the future. And we do know that this is not the end of the story. James 5, 7 and 8 says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for his land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient, stand firm, because God's coming is near. We know that one day, all grief and sorrow and pain is going to end. There's going to be no sorrow in heaven. There's going to be no suffering in heaven. There's going to be no sickness or sadness in heaven. The Bible says this in Revelation 21 verse 4. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. For the old way of things has passed away. This is not the end of the story. You and I can have confidence that no matter what we're going through, we know how the story ends. Well, let me wrap this up with the the fourth one, and this is probably the most important. God wants me to use, God wants to use me to help others. 
God wants to actually use us in this season to help others. Yes, God wants to comfort you. Yes, God wants to save you. God wants to help you through these times. But God is calling us as a church to actually rise up and help others in the day ahead. You will have no other opportunity like we have right now as a church to actually love your neighbors as yourself. As we look back in history, I firmly believe that this is a God-orchestrated opportunity for us. Rather than an opportunity that we just bunker down, or we just complain, or we just sit in our homes, wishing, longing for something that's new. In the book of James, it's very, very specific about how to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the time to outshine the darkness. You know that centuries ago, in fact, in the second and third century, there were two different plagues that swept through the Roman Empire. In both of those, both of those cases, Christian believers moved into action to serve the people in those pandemics, to serve people in fear, to serve people in pain, to serve people in sickness and in loneliness. The second and third century sounds a lot like 2020. I want you to listen to these great words from James chapter 5. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil. And the prayer offered in faith is going to make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. And pray for each other so that you can be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Then we get this little description of Elijah. Elijah's, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Just like us, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if any of you should wander from the truth, and someone, anyone, would bring the person back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Powerful words from James. Did you know that during the second and third century that Christians, the church, actually invented the hospital? Did you know government didn't invent the hospital? Business didn't invent the hospital. The church did. That's why most hospitals are called St. Mary's or St. Mark's or St. Matthew's. Because Christian missionaries were the first uh, group of people that went, we need to start a hospital in every nation of the world. So here's my challenge to you, Renfrew Baptist Church. What are you and I actually creating in this season? Today, we have an opportunity like no other to serve like that again. I want to encourage you to read the book of James because the book of James is going to give you some ideas in the days ahead of how to help your neighbor.
and how to help the people around you. Let me pray. God, thank you for being a God who speaks to us. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, may you take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. God, maybe in these next few minutes, we just need to sit in silence to recalibrate our hearts. As Danielle and Brett lead us in this song, God, may may our hearts be in tune with what you're calling us to. God, what a great reminder of a church in the second and third century that went, we're going to do this in the midst of great pain. We're going to be the ones that bring healing to the land. God, may we as Renfrew Baptist Church rise up and start to look outside the walls of our homes and simply go, we're going to create that. That's going to be our gift to our community, to our nation, to our province. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, church. There's a couple things as we wrap this up. The, the very first thing is, I asked a question at the end of my message. In this season, what do you believe God is calling you to? What is God asking you to create? We're going to highlight stories over the next little bit of people here at Renfrew that God is actually calling to create something. And they've been obedient in that. But we would love us all to have a story like that. And as you wrestle through that, there's going to be three promises and they're going to come up on the screen right now that we're going to make to you as a council and as pastors here. And the first one is simply this, that Trent, Pastor Trent and the council and myself promise that you're not going to be alone in this. We're going to continually work to figure out how to do this together. So when you start to feel that desire to create something, reach out to us. We're on your team. Here's the second thing. Pastor Trent and the council and myself promise that we're going to help you stay healthy spiritually during this time. I talked about coffee with a pastor. You see what we do here on a Sunday. If there's something that you need to help you in your spiritual walk, don't hesitate to reach out and ask us. Then the third promise that I want to make for to you is that Pastor Trent and the council and myself promise that we'll help you if you'll let us know your needs. We promise that we'll help you. We talk often that we're worried that some of you are trying to forge this path all by yourself. There is a community of believers that want to surround you. But you have to take the first step and you need to reach out and ask us to help you. We are so excited about what God's doing. We love the trajectory that God has us on as a church. This week, you might have heard something on the news as we start to enter this 
COVID-19 phase one and phase two. And you might have heard something that was referenced to, to churches that, that we might be able to gather physically again during this time. This emerging opportunity we are really, really, really excited about. But we also know that we want to be good stewards of, of what God has given to us. And part of being a good steward is understanding what we're allowed to do and in that pursue creativity to use our imaginations but to stay true to what God is calling us to pastor Trent and myself and the council would love to to lay out a, a nice PowerPoint slide that you could see where we would put dates down on when we can gather again and what that'll be like for the next few weeks We'll slowly discern and, and figure out what God's calling us to. And you can pray for us. Pray that God would, would make us wise. We know that this is a long journey, that this isn't just a short walk in the park. And we know we can do it. We're confident that we can persevere, just like it talks about in James. That as we persevere, it's actually going to develop a strong faith in us. And that's our prayer, that we would come back together even stronger with even, a more, uh, with even more territory that God wants us to, to expand into. Let me pray as we get into our weekend, as we enjoy the Victoria Day, day today and tomorrow. God, thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for perfectly picked songs. Great joy with with Mr. Squibbles. And thank you that we can look at a book that was written thousands of years ago and it's still so relevant to today. God, may we be the church that James was referring to. We love and adore you. Thank you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.